Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I've done an actual introduction for Jules Gill. It's 2023. That's what I've got for you. What How t- are you time doing? for changes? And this is the introduction, <laughs> uh, a classic UBP introduction where we don't actually sell people what the podcast is straight away. No. We just ramble straight into it. But you just, just figure in it case, out. Just we, in uh, case. We, we, we started a little bit earlier in terms of when we got on the feed to talk to each other. And then we blabbed so much that 20 minutes went by. And I know that the wrestling lads need to be in in about 40 ish minutes. So we will get through as many questions as we can because this is the Entitled Panther podcast. The UBP, the UBP. 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 The UBP, we take on as many questions, talking points, and whatever as possible. And because we got so many last week, I thought we'd do a little bit of a rollover, a little bit of a carryover. Beautiful Um, stuff. Beautiful stuff. There's also some questions from uh, the Christmas period as well. I don't want people not being seen. I want to make sure that you know that we do see all your questions. And I always archive them. And I always want to get there, even if they're not the ones that I uh, randomly pick out in the first place. So what Um, we're doing is we're going over to the take trough of old. We're breaking (laughs) through the crust that has formed onto the top. And we're getting still not too rancid goop. And we are now shoveling down our... It is a succulent, succulent goop. So we'll uh, (laughs) we'll get through as many questions as we can. First one from Vin Van Meel, who says, any predictions for 2023 in gaming movies or whatever? you want much much love well much love to Ooh, yourself love. and everyone else and we did a big old predictions podcast me Dallas and Josh on the uh, earlier on in the week which you mm-hmm. can find on the feed but I, I left this in because I was curious what you thought about the year itself. what sort of predictions did you guys have we just kind of had a mix of stuff. I was kind of thinking that, um, you know, the Xbox Game Pass will be on PlayStation by the end of the year. I was just like mm-hmm. pie, pie in the sky stuff um, because that whole deal is still in motion, the whole Activision thing. And I was like, maybe the only way that they reach agreement is that they let the Game Pass app, it becomes a streaming app and you get that on PlayStation. Um, because the next, even between that filming and now, the next PS5 firmware update has uh, more robust cloud streaming in it. So right. they're clearly preparing okay. for some sort of streaming future. Not that Sony going to want that, um, but stuff like that. And then I was like, Last of Us 3 gets confirmed or Ooh, um, stuff nice. like that. Wait, one of Josh's... Don't you mean that Last of Us 2 remake will be confirmed? <laughs> that could be one of yours. That's <laughs> almost definitely what they're going to do. This, this, is, this is the year of The Last of Us uh, with the multiplayer offering and everything. See, I think that I'm going to go for a more doom and gloom but also quite okay. uh, substantial change and I think that Ubisoft are going to go out of business 
That is That's my gaming not prediction that for hard 2023. To predict at this stage. I know, man. <laughs> it seems all but a formality considering the uh, leadership that has been sort of pulling down every single aspect of the once great company. The fact that <laughs> Skull and Bones has been delayed uh, for the fifth time, fourth time now? Something like that, yeah. Wait, it's in the high numbers. Just cancel it. Just cancel it. At this point in time, <laughs> once you delay it that much, uh, it's getting into that self fulfilling pro- uh, prophecy of being just the next Duke Nukem forever. Um, Kinda, so it yeah. should go. And uh, so should, unfortunately, and I know this is going to make Peter Austin cry a single tiny tear. And that is, <laughs> I think, that Beyond Good and Evil should also get the boot as well. Again, yep. so it's a waste of resources. If we haven't seen anything from it in this long, get rid of it. Bin it off. I agree. The, the Skull and Bones, the thing is, I don't be, I, I, I weirdly don't believe that anyone at Ubisoft really cares about Skull and Bones. Maybe they do. And maybe there is someone who's like, I really, really believe in this project mm-hmm. and I really yeah. want to get it out the door. However, it was birthed from the ship minigame stuff of Assassin's Creed 3 and was, then Black yeah. Flag. Yep. And so we're so much longer in. And the last time they showed gameplay, it was all full of microtransactions and crafting yes. components and, and whatever. no one wanted it. No one wanted no. it. No. And then like they did another statement uh, this morning just uh, from the team itself, just saying like, you know, we're delaying it because we have something to show you and it's going to look beautiful and gorgeous and everything yep. and I'm just I can't shake that it reminds me of like someone like burning like a like a lunch like a Christmas dinner and it's like but this is all we have so like well yeah. have it anyway and see if you can find anything good in there and I'm like you this isn't good around the table people are just saying like should we just get takeaway should we just order <laughs> something in it's like no 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 no, no because <laughs> we I've can't tell them though we can't tell them because I've put the effort in and you're like ah oh, but it's gonna be effort on our stomachs to digest <laughs> this absolute tripe so yeah I I do agree with you on that one but what's the um uh, what was the other uh, pirate themed adventure thing that came out recently and it's completely gone out so of my mind. Sea of Thieves, right. Mm-hmm. Maybe they looked at that and how when it came out, there was just nothing to do and how the people were just like, mm. oh, yeah, it's a pirate game. Mm-hmm. Thank you, I guess. And they were just like, well, this has kind of taken the wind literally out of our <laughs> digital sales here because that wasn't the second coming of the pirate uh, phenomenon like there was with Pirates of the no. Caribbean and stuff like that. Sea of Thieves is weird as well because I think because it's rare, it always had charm. Like I, I always refer to Sea of Thieves as an immaculate twenty minutes. And like I know they've bulked yeah. it out since then, <laughs> yeah. but it was like it was good fun at the start. It just needed more stuff. Yeah. Um, but the idea of everyone working together and whatever was cool. But yeah, I um I would maybe back that. I don't think they'll go out of business, but I think they'll drastically reduce what they are. I think they're just a a, a set a set selection yes. of like five IPs, and maybe they get acquired by Sony or Embracer or Xbox Ooh, or something. That would, do you know what? If uh, if another company came and snapped them up and just absorb them into the fatty mm. folds. That might not be the worst thing for them because there are some brilliant IPs that are still mm. left on the shelf. I just mm-hmm. don't want to see them pull a Konami and go di- directly into the uh, the microtransaction and annoyingly rather lucrative mobile gaming market because they've mm-hmm. just really pivoted hard into that in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So I'd rather not see Ubisoft go down. I'll that tell you road. what is a Konami prediction is that they they're not going to be able to restore themselves, but this is the year they really try and come back. Like they've done the TMNT don't, collection. Don't say that you're going to do Metal Gear. You, you, I I'm know not you're going to do. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, maybe I am. No, no, no I'm not going to do Metal no, Gear. No, although no, the no. Metal Gear remake has been rumored for a long, long time. I just feel like this is the year that we hear more from Konami because they've had a lot of little rumblings. Like they had a Castlevania collection, a yes. couple of them. Yeah. They had the TMNT thing. Like they've kind of been trying to remember, trying to remind everybody. Like we used to be good at this, and here's some collections now, and here's some stuff. That, you're totally right, and that is a very sensible thing to pay homage to the past, mm. to reward gamers with nostalgia, and let's face it, it is a very lucrative market to go mm. for. But the problem is, is that if you're not actually in the present with your gaming, if you're not actually providing somebody to say, hey, that was great then, what have mm. you got now? Then you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot because it's like, hey, remember how good we were? The follow-up thing <laughs> that is going to be the echo coming back to you is, yeah, we do. But what now have you done you're in between? Not. Yeah, now, so so you've got to really get something else going first. Mm. 
The thing, that's, the thing that's interesting with that, I think we had a question about Atari 50. I don't think I've told you about Atari 50, but it's like the big... Atari 50? It's, it's like this big like 50-year compilation thing of all the of all the Atari games. And you even okay. get stuff that was like Jaguar games and Lynx games and like all the stuff that was on the Atari 2600, oh, 7800. Hard pass, man. Hard pass. Oh, no, that, dude. <laughs> honestly, it's so good. It's like, it's like it's, it's presented like almost like a Netflix doc thing. It's like it, you okay. when you go into it, the actual menu is just documentary clips. And so you get little like interviews with the guy that like okay, coded that Pong. Yeah, and it's like, all, it's like presented like a documentary but when they talk about a game and what they went through to code stuff in the 70s and what computers were like and the fact that they had two kilobytes of memory to use Ooh, and they were like two it's honestly it's so cool that they okay we made this game using this thing and mm-hmm. then you can play it so it's like it has this nice little uh, back and forth and they walk you through like 50 years of atari they also talk about them doing drugs in the office and how they were all off their faces trying to yeah. think of as many gaming ideas as possible um and then they talk about the fact that they, you know they sold the company to warner and how mismanaged they were for like 30 years and it's like now they're finally now, out of that again that, that like, that's, that's fascinating really, that's a really funny way to phrase their own history there isn't it it's like we were mismanaged <laughs> by somebody else when they themselves were Responsible for an ET on the Atari and also Pac-Man for the Atari 2600, which, well, let's face it, are the two things that rip the pillar of the gaming industry out. They do talk about that 80s. stuff. Yeah, but I bet you they do it in a sort of like, oh, we were hamstrung by the fact of our they own kinda, success. <laughs> they don't, like, I mean, I, I guess I paraphrased the mismanagement thing. They just acknowledged that after a while, all the core, the founders had left, like Nolan Bushnell had left and the company went to Warner Brothers. That that was that period in the late oh, 90s. Oh, that's now. But, <laughs> No, well, I guess there's that part, but the stuff in terms of the uh, ET stuff is they do talk about you know we were the first home console we didn't know what a console cycle was and also they talk about the licensing stuff and the idea that like they didn't have atari exclusives that was nothing that was written down anywhere so every company started making atari games for two kilobytes worth of anything they could put together yeah and then obviously it blew up and it became the video game crash of 1984 or whatever but like that whole thing i love that they've pivoted that entire history into being it was other people's fault that we were also slightly part of (laughs) when it was them basically saying hey let's give one developer a ridiculous crunch period uh, to turn around this it was like two specific- weeks, yeah. specifically for the holiday period let's pay them in advance so we're effectively bankrupting ourselves let's order mm. more copies of the game than there are atari consoles in actual existence at the moment because we think <laughs> that the game will be that good that people will buy it twice and more consoles like mm-hmm. insane insane i will say that um i do think because it's obviously relaying it to you it sounds i mean there are there is going to be a part of it that is them saving face this oh, is yeah. their big yeah, yeah, of course. look <laughs> at 50 years of atari type thing i mean you wouldn't exactly market it as being like hey atari and then the little tagline <laughs> underneath that the faces of your childhood depression sort of thing. Just call it like the landfill. And it's just sort of, this is all the bits and pieces that we buried years ago. Yeah. But um, I do think it's a fascinating look into their history. Like, I really, really liked it. And I thought that it was cool. Like, you know, you have the, the literal, because they went back to a lot of those coders. Now, yeah. obviously, they're getting on um, and just talking about what it was like in the 70s gaming scene and the emerging mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. of a video game scene. I think that stuff's really, really cool. Obviously, they frame it and things like that. But I do think that they come across very honest. And when they're talking about, they literally address the whole, you know, the whole idea of did they do drugs at Atari? And they're just talking about, you have an interview with one guy where he's like, "No, you'll never find any, uh, you know, traces of that in my office. That never happened." Smash cut to someone else going, "We were high all the time. Like we were just constantly." They had a literal weed dealer who would Amazing. bring them brown envelopes of stuff every day. So um, there's that thing. I, I thought that was a really, really cool package. Although your side of it is so totally valid, and <laughs> lol at me playing it, going like, "Yes, no, they've, if they're completely they've clean, it wasn't you. them they've at got, all." Yeah. As a, as I completely ignore Atari NFTs, but oh, um, God, yeah, this, <laughs> that's all that stuff. Um, next question from Dingus McFlingus, who says, <laughs> "If I ever end up taking a vacation to your country, where should I go?" 
Clearly oh. Newcastle, because that's where we are. Yeah, Newcastle well, would I definitely am. be uh, a good shout because you can go Dune the Toon and you can have a <laughs> pint of Newcastle Brune and you can meet Josh Brune as well, potentially, at the same time. <laughs> that's um, the combo. That's all you need. To be fair, uh, there's loads of really nice places in the UK, but it all depends on what your interests are. Because mm. if you're into sort of uh, like your hiking and outdoor experiences, you could go to the Cotswolds, you could go to uh, Snowdon or Snowdonia and just like climb the mountain ranges that mm-hmm. are there. You Lake District, go... that would massively shout out as well. I mean, uh, to be honest, I know that if Andy Murray was here he'd be just saying just go to Scotland don't go yeah. anywhere else just go straight up to Scotland <laughs> and then just enjoy the picturesque views um, for fan. like I don't know where Dingus McFlingers is from originally <laughs> do they say they don't it's just uh, all we've got to go off is Dingus McFlingers uh, amazing I mean we could just say that um, uh, it's kind of like Canada I've heard a lot mm. of comparisons to because of the mm. sort of wildlife that's there the massive lakes or locks if you're there mm. like, mm. yeah if you like your nature the UK has some very picturesque places just mm. bring a coat though just bring a coat yeah, de- yeah de- the weather thing will hit you right the, we, we don't like the, the weather has been dark and grey for all of 2023 so far there's not been a single sun yet so, Dude, there is a leak <clears throat> in my front door as well. I am fuming. It's not it's what you been want, rain- is it? it has been raining nonstop, and I'm just looking at this little drip, and I'm just like, you utter <laughs> bastard. I hate you. I hate you so much. We had a, There was so much rain last night that all my uh, walls started to creak, and I was like, is my house That's- just going to... Like That's fall good. apart. <laughs> no, it's it, not really. It's got and into it's the just, sponge inside yeah. the wall. And you're just like, it yeah, was like okay. it's somewhere between the walls. Also, I don't know enough about houses, but I'm just like, what is creaking? Like, is it something I can reach in and uncreak? I just, I don't know. But everything's very windy over in the UK. <laughs> where do you um, think that you yeah. should uh, recommend where they'd go then? I, uh, I definitely think if you want like a city break, then uh, I would still recommend Newcastle because I actually mm-hmm. watched a video the other day. Shout out to I think they're called the Geek Kingdom on YouTube. Um, it was someone who went through Newcastle from like an American perspective, and nice. she was from like uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, she was saying that Newcastle reminded her of Portland um, in terms of it being like a bridge city or it's like, you know, you've got a place. Oh, it's a bridge city, mate. It's definitely a bridge city. Um, And I quite like that was like, I always think it's fascinating, um, you know, going to like thinking of your hometown or your home city or whatever through the eyes of like a tourist. And it's Mm -hmm. like when you really line up the amount of stuff that Newcastle has, it is a great foodie city with a lot of really good night spots and it has a great culture and everyone's really friendly and whatever. So there's a lot. I would obviously recommend Newcastle. Yeah. Um, Also the the Lake District. Yeah. Totally back that up because I think that Newcastle just has a little bit of everything that you're looking for. Mm. It's got the nightlife, it's got the food, it's got the things to see and do. It's got some nature on its doorstep if you're willing to travel about 30 minutes away. Totally. Like, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of stuff. It's the mm-hmm. best small city, big town vibe that you could look for, mm. really. Um, we also got voted, like, having some of the best... Oh, is it the best... Uh, street photo in all of the UK. There's like a shot. Only you'll know what I'm talking about now. But yeah. if you t- if you look from where Monument is uh, down oh, the, the way hill, down. oh yeah, there's it like is the way the road curves, yeah. all the buildings and everything. That was like voted some the most picturesque view yeah. or something in all of the UK. It's, it's worth checking out if uh, if you, especially if you're coming across from like America or whatever. Um, the next question from Nathan R two four six who says I'm going to be off work for the next four to six weeks due to a fracture in my ankle. Ooh. Hopefully, you feel better very soon. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if you have any recommendations for games that are in the puzzle or RPG areas. Puzzle or RPG areas? I mean, you can never go wrong, and this is channeling James Downs here, uh, you can never <laughs> go wrong with a Professor Layton game. <clears throat> Always oh. a good shout, a great time. Uh, uh-huh. Quite lengthy games as well, actually. And yeah. the brain teasers that they have in there will really get those gray, gray cells working, my friend. That's a nice, like, bite-sized thing. I started, When I started playing the other day, because I, I started going through, well, let me back up even more. Across the Christmas holiday, I played loads of turn-based stuff, like Mario and Rabbids, mm-hmm. Triangle mm-hmm. Strategy, Midnight Suns. Um, I'd recommend all three of them, Midnight yep. Suns especially, if you love Marvel. Um, and especially if you want a different take from grid-based strategy if you want something that's a bit more um, you're thinking about it in a different way in terms of your I guess so because of and... the um, deck building as well aspect yeah. then it does tickle the kind of puzzle thing because you're always mm. I actually found out this the other day you mm. are never 
the enemy placement is loaded in after it analyzes what deck you're bringing. So there is always a way uh, to win, even if you can't oh, that's immediately awesome. see it. And I was like, that's a very fair way uh, to run your game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd fire say access it, to the masters. It's, like, it's, it's a puzzle so game much. that's dressed up as an action superhero game. Yeah, which and for triangle strategy as well. Like I think that's like one of the best written Square Enix games ever. Like I literally think it's an incredibly well written RPG. It is turn based when it comes to the combat, but there's a lot of great RPG stuff in there about being a leader and making decisions for kingdoms and like choosing whether to invade or react to stuff. I think all the mm. wider geopolitical stuff they give you is brilliant. Um, so I would recommend uh, Triangle Tragedy quite a lot. However, something from last year that I didn't even realize came out is um, Chained Echoes um, from Deck 13. Echoes, and I hadn't even one. heard of it. And I forget where I first heard of it. But um, I remember seeing screenshots for it. And I was like, the art style looks gorgeous. I'll just look up a review. And it's like a, it's literally meant to be an ode to Chrono Trigger in Final Fantasy VI. Oh, and okay. it's like... Deck 13, who did uh, Lords of the Fallen, it's like a different, smaller team. They published it. Um, I forget the exact developer for it, but mm-hmm. you can tell. like It's just someone making an RPG that is directly aimed at sort of early 90s RPGs. That's and so it's cool. beautiful. Like, it's absolutely gorgeous. Turn-based combat, but with a really cool overdrive mechanic that means you can't do too many of the same move in a row. Otherwise, you'll then take too much damage. Ooh, so you have I to... Like you have to kind of like work against yourself a little bit or prioritize healing or maybe defend for the next turn so that you get some of your overdrive back to then come back again the next turn. If just You can tell they've thought everything through and it has really good checkpoint placement. It has really good um, approaches to grinding and everything. And it just, it, it's just, it's made for lovers of that style of, of old school sort of 90s uh, square RPG. Like it's, it's really, really recommendable. That's Chained Echoes. I really okay. love that thing. And speaking of, uh, I guess, like late 90s games that have kind of come back into popular uh, view now, mm. um, we obviously had last year the Return to Monkey Island uh, video oh, game. Dude, so yeah, that, that could be quite a good puzzle game. game as well to sort of mm-hmm. uh, scratch that itch. And it's just hilariously funny as well. It's one yes. of those games where a lot of people were actually quite worried about it coming back onto the market because it's been so long. Will mm. the humour be the same? Will the writing be as clever? Will the puzzles be as infuriatingly obtuse and hilarious sometimes? <laughs> and yes, I can say that on all three points, it is definitely. Because I, I like that they let you dictate the difficulty as well. Like you have yeah, option, you ha- yeah. you can have a hint system if you want it. You can turn it off if you want. Um, I like all that stuff. But yeah, the writing is brilliant. And uh, oh my god, Return of Monkey Island is a beautiful little gem. Uh, Just a lovely year. looking game as well, aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Like I really, like, yeah, that art style was like divisive, but I, I really like it. Like yeah, it reminds me too. of like uh, Broken Age or like some of the newer Double Fine stuff. God um, damn, Broken Age. Yeah, uh, that was a good. Mm. Game. Do you ever uh, did you ever play um what was it called uh broken broken sword was that the one that was before it only like the fourth one there was one of them that they Is gave that the away one with on the goat. Like- me, I need the very beginning of it. I'm terrible <laughs> at point and click stuff, especially because that the mindset is just what are we thinking? And it's like, oh, actually, that chair combines with that pot of jam, yeah. and then whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I would never have got there. And so, like, I get the whole some of the appeal is just combining everything. And um, but I I bounce off that quite fast. Escape from Monkey, Return to Monkey Island, I thought did it much better because you could. I I almost immediately tap out. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what you want. Just let me tell. Yeah. Oh, it's a sponge, is it? Right. Yeah, I'll go get that. Like, I just need that. But do you remember there was, I we, we did a list eight. Ages ago, like years and years ago, I think that uh, Pachiti and I actually like uh, hosted it together. Okay, and it was on like infuriating puzzles. And I remember right. reading out one of these entries, and his face was just like gobsmacked because he obviously he wrote his side <laughs> of the list, I wrote my side, mm-hmm. and 
The puzzle was to get a set of keys or something from an electrified train track. And what okay. you had to do was like take a rubber duck, an inflatable duck, sorry, and <laughs> half deflate it, wrap it around a grabber so that when the grabber, in it, all the air went out, it would close around the grabber. Right, and okay. then you'd be able to pick it up the electrified track. But it was like <laughs> so obtuse that no one would have ever in their right mind have thought of combining all of these items well, to put it together. Because Broken Age has that one where you need to get past like, a, it's like a demonic tree or something. Thing. It's the and goat, isn't it? You've got to get part of the goat on the Is leash. that the goat yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where that's you have the, to... It's one of the most infamous, like, broken sword oh, things. There's a the thing it's I'm so thinking horrible. of where you have to, like, intimidate a tree, and it's like, try and get past this tree that won't let you pass. Oh, wait, and wait, the... sorry. Did you say broken age or broken sword? No, broken age. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like the newest the, one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it's a in broken fine age. one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I do. There's something this. where you have to get past this tree, and the solution is to get a chair and then put it through like a wood chipper, and then show him the granules or whatever. Yeah. And then he's just sort of like, "Oh my god, don't do that to me!" And then he lets you get through. And I'm just like, I would never have even thought that way, but I totally get that. That's an appeal. If you like that style of puzzle, um, I would definitely recommend that stuff. Yeah. Um, next question from Rich Roberts, who says, "What is your game of the year that didn't come out in 2022?" I finally played Little Nightmares, and what a little gem that is. Game Which of the is. year that didn't come out in 2022, as in. I guess game, the best, oh, the best, best thing you played, played last, last year. year that would, oh, in that case, then it'd be Inscription. Um, Inscription oh, was, I can back like, Inscription. Honestly, I am so glad that I knew absolutely nothing about it. Mm-hmm. I saw like, um, I think it was like a group chat that we got with like, um, uh, like uh, Rich, Rach and Ash and all the others. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, they put some memes in about yes. it. And I was like, <laughs> I have no idea what this is all about. So mm-hmm. months passed. And then I said, what is Inscription? And then for my birthday, Rich and Osley clubbed together and got me a copy of nice. it. So I said, I'll uh, play it on stream for you, uh, for mm-hmm. you guys then. And my God, what a <laughs> great game it is. Uh, I was debating de- that for de- the puzzle builder, shout out as sort well. Of pseudo, pseudo horror, horror game. Um, loads of crazy twists and turns where the mm. game actually evolves before your eyes. You think you're playing one game and then it just goes, no, we're playing a different type of game. I absolutely like, love, the they do like a really cool narrative framing thing where you get lots of live action footage and mm-hmm. you sort of like, mm-hmm. you realize that Inscription is is always ostensibly a game within a game and yeah. there's a whole thing going on about this mystery of this game called Inscription and, uh, and I'm not, it's not a spoiler to say parts of the setup but like this idea that someone receives a message saying they should go to these coordinates in a forest yeah, yeah. and they find a copy of inscription and that's what you're playing i think that that whole thing that's that's only the very beginning stuff too um but i think all that's like those kind of reveals are just it the where that game goes and yeah. the how effective that mystery is is, is very very well done i remember um, coming to the end of that game and sitting back and just being like genuinely uh, moved because mm. i i was so happy with how the game ended i was so Mm -hmm. happy with the experience that i've been on there but i was Mm -hmm. also kind of deflated thinking wow i'm not going to be able to play a game like this for a long time (laughs) because that was truly special it's the same sort of feeling you get after finishing like disco elysium or something that really felt game-changing to your perspective as a gamer and i was like Mm -hmm. ah damn it damn it damn it now it's back action action fighting games that are just 10 a penny now brilliant Mm -hmm. Thing is, as well, I find it gets really, really hard to do mystery in like in in, yeah. in the modern day. Like everyone shares everything online. You, you mostly know what you're getting going in. So for something to actively convince me or whatever that there's more to this than what you think, like where I'm actually googling, going what parts of this were true yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I think that stuff is is so well handled. Yeah, inscription. We haven't even really said what it is, but it's like a card based um, roguelike where you're sort yeah. of trying to fight a uh, fight a certain entity over and over and over again with a different um, set of puzzles that kind of emerge, and you can actually stand up and leave the table you're at and explore this. Yeah. So there are other puzzles to solve to help you build yeah. the deck and achieve other uh, elements. And 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the game, you'll look back at that original setting and just be like, "Well, we have come full circle <laughs> in a very different manner." It's yeah, it's insane. Like the uh, yeah, the places that game goes uh, are fascinating. I'd, I would totally second inscription as mm-hmm. well. Um, question from Adam Tuku says, "How important is ray tracing to us, especially when so many games now don't release in stable states? It seems like ray tracing should be last on the list when it comes to games." I totally agree with you. I feel Same. like um, if you cannot get your game to function at the base uh, of levels, then why mm-hmm. would I care about what it looks like um, if it's just going to chug along at twelve? frames a second at the top end <laughs> um i feel like uh, we're sold more and more these days on what games look like versus how they play it's because totally. it's the it's the arms race that we're always in um mm-hmm. how do pc players uh, show their superiority they drop like five grand on a graphics card and then brag about <laughs> it until it's outdated a month later. It's mm-hmm. we care somewhere too much. some rich just cried out in terror. There, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we care we care too much just about what games look like. But True. you go back and you find that truly the games that stand the test of time, the ones that really do sink into the culture of like gaming as a whole, are the ones that have identifiable 
well-designed art rather than just good-looking graphics. Like, mm -hmm. you could show me a Call of Duty um, game and just be like, wow, look at the shine off of the, the barrel. The muzzle flare is so realistic and there's tiny smoke particles. Fantastic. Well done. Mm -hmm. But I won't remember that art style. But you show me something like um, Obra Dinn. You show mm. me something that... Or Yeah, like, and it's something that's gone lo-fi, but done yep. it really, really well. Or um, Creature in the Well or something like that, where it's cell-shaded, but with style. Show me style yeah, and I will remember it. Oh, Jetson yeah. Radio is a perfect example of that. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I mean, even like Sly Cooper, I remember the first time I saw cell shading and I was mm. like, this just... And Auto Modelista, I keep going back to that every now and then. And it's, yeah, I think that I would totally back that. I'm always like a big like gameplay mechanics kind of guy instead. The thing is, like, this is going to sound console gamer AF, but I don't really get the difference between like accurately modeled reflections or ray traced reflections, like yeah. um, subsurface scattered reflections or whatever. I don't really care. Like if I look into a mirror and it's my character that looks back at me and it's a clearly a working reflection, I recognize that and I get on with my day. It doesn't yeah. really matter if it's like, oh, well, you know, if you really look at it, the light's being refracted through all these different things. I don't care. Yeah. Like, it doesn't do anything to the experience at all. There, unless all it's the... a game about reflections. But... Yeah, true, true. There's um, <laughs> there's um, all those IGN comparisons where they go, like, what is the ultra setting versus the high and normal mm. setting for a PC game? And I look at it and I go, yeah, I can tell the difference between normal and high. But mm. then sometimes between high and ultra, I'm just like... You're yeah. running through this corridor shooting a million bad guys at once. I'm not going to notice if they've got like extra <laughs> like uh, detail on their shoelaces. Who mm -hmm. cares? Like, Literally, that was always my thing. And it was like, because I'm playing through Dead Space 2 at the minute. I've never actually finished Dead Space 2. So I was like, I'm in a Dead Space mood because the remake's out soon. I'll go through too. Mm -hmm. And I happened to notice last night, I was just sort of playing through it. And I there was like a bit where a shot of light was coming through like a window. And I just, and I hardly ever do this, but I sort of just stood because I could see there was a shadow coming from the, yeah. um, the panes of the window. So I just stood in there and I panned the camera down to see if Isaac has a shadow and he yeah. didn't Ooh. and so I like realized that but it's very rare that I actually look for that stuff I'm mostly just playing the game it's I almost think that a game has kind of failed to some degree if you're looking at everything other than yeah. the game part yeah exactly um, it should just fold in um but it's that whole thing and like sometimes there was something else I was playing Midnight Suns mm -hmm. has a bunch of different mirrors around the academy but when you look into them they're all blurry they're they're not actually like working yeah but that doesn't affect my ability to enjoy the strategic parts of the game or anything else it just exactly. for me it just doesn't matter I would say that ray tracing was like a, a little buzzword that we had for the start of the generation yeah. and we were every time there was a piece of glass in any game we were like oh my god look at it it's a real reflection <laughs> I still as if we've the, never had them or something I still remember the joy of like going like can you look down and see your own legs it's like yeah look at them and I was like walking around like, oh my god look at this it's amazing <laughs> We should. I don't know if we've ever done a list of like the most BS marketing terms, like blast processing and like yeah. the whole idea of like falling for all these things. Like, like, there's like five different types of HD, like true HD, like oh, yeah, uh, real yeah, HD, yeah, ultra yeah, HD, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Um, next question from Golly Jolly, who says, what is your most recommendable old game from the PlayStation 2 generation or older? Oh, cool. Blimey, that's hitting me in where I live, isn't it? Because I mean... I tell you what, mm. the other day, I, uh, I managed to get my Steam Deck working on the old TV. So I got a Steam Deck dock. And then um, when the PlayStation noise came on... I, yeah. I felt my soul return. I think I might have said that last week. That's how much it returned. But still, I ended up going back to Burnout 3. Oh, and, what a um, game. What a game. When that Lazy Generation song came on, I was like, oh, oh God, I've lived a life since I played this. <laughs> You've um, become the I... Lazy Generation since then. <laughs> right now. And, um, so I would say, uh, off the top of my head, it's Burnout 3, um, yeah. just because I miss arcade racing so much. And when and also Split Second, although that was uh, the generation after, but definitely Burnout 3. I still remember the uh, amount of time that I sunk into Time Splitters 1, 2, and 3. Uh, as Holy. a franchise like it, it's so undeniable how much of an impact that they had on my childhood and my love of mm. FPS is going forward so it's so weird to find ki like kids today who just don't understand 
that entire franchise existed. They just go yeah. like, yeah, I, I had a monkey in it. That is that that game you talk about, that old school <laughs> game. You're like, oh man, you don't even These know. When you they don't even know. When they put them back out on uh, Xbox, because you can thankfully play uh, two and three, uh, like two in Future Perfect yeah. on Xbox now. So I went back to two and I did that damn level again. And just the fidelity of the animation is incredible. Like, oh, dude, yeah, the way they move, and, like, like uh, when you're aiming yeah. at enemies and they do little like trying to snake past you or they yeah. try and like do little dives and rolls. You're like, this didn't need to be animated, but they did it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole other like approach to it's not just hold the left trigger, aim at the head, or and, and take them out. Like yeah. there is a whole like you're sort of zooming into the frame and picking a shot, and like there's a different feel to the flow of time splitters that's really really cool. I mean, um, um, yeah. zone of enders as well. Like if you get the chance oh. to go back and play that, that is one. I, I know that a lot of people say that they got, they basically got a lot of extra sales because it had the demo from MGS2. But as a game, that's itself, definitely why I bought it's it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. I really yeah. enjoyed it. The thing that's funny about Zone of the Enders is when I first played it, I guess I would have been about 12 or something, I didn't really realize how phallic the mechs were. Oh, yeah. And then I went, oh, I went yes. back to it years later and I was like, oh, that is just, that's literally a cockpit. That's like, you've literally put him <laughs> there and it's huge. And okay, like, we'll just do it. Okay, Kojima, well, that's just what we're doing. But like, yeah, that's, if you go, if you have a childhood memory of, of Zone of the Enders, if you go back to it now, it's, yeah, it was, yeah. it was always there. Yeah. Um, Quick question from Jack Asbury, who says, do we think Kazuya will be redeemed in Tekken 8? I don't think it needs to be redeemed, to be honest, unless I'm forgetting something. So, so, just we are at, so at the end of uh, Tekken 7, we have yep. had the death of Heihachi, right? Heihachi right now, in, in, in our year of 2023, he's buried in lava in the in the volcano but right now. when has now. that ever stopped him before? When has well, that exactly. ever stopped yeah, yeah, yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jinpachi came back. So um, um, Jin is the new evil, right? Uh, or is Jin oh the God. good guy now? Because he keeps flip-flopping more times than the big show. Jin, <laughs> Jin was Jin's in charge of the Mishima Zaibatsu as of the end of Tekken 6. He's barely in 7 because yeah. it's all about Kazuya Heihachi. Well, 7 is that reporter finding out what's happened after 6 yeah. because Jin goes full genocidal evil that's, across yeah, Tekken Yeah, that's six. what I remember. He just goes mad. Yeah. He's like, okay. But then he fights like, he awakens like a Zazel at that weird like underground creature thing and then he realizes the error of his ways and everything which okay. is funny because when I played through those games I love Jin so much that I kind of just weirdly hand waved away his horrible atrocities but he does wipe out a lot of people it takes and then now I'm like are you even redeemable it really, do, it really does take a lot doesn't it to take a mm-hmm. beloved character and just go they were the bad guy it was like <laughs> the moment that I, I know that it's on a much like less grand scale but remember mm-hmm. when Army of Two Devil's Cartel came out and you found yep. out that the original um, is it Salem uh, he's the he Salem was, and Rio I think yeah he yeah. was the bad guy and you're just yes. like Oh, that's that's kind of lame. I don't like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's almost like a Joel thing. Although at least that has like more of a conversation attached yeah, to it. But true, yeah, true. when it comes to Kazuya, maybn't I'm blanking on the rest of Tekken Seven story. I probably am, but I feel like that was more about Heihachi, Heihachi's past, and Heihachi's old wife, and the stuff with the Kuma and everything. Um, but yeah, I imagine with Tekken Eight, I guess they've got more of Jin versus Kazuya. That was what was in the trailer. So yeah. maybe Heihachi comes back as like a post credits thing or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they've ever done a Tekken game without Heihachi at all. He's always been there in some degree. I would actually, I'd really prefer if they did actually let him go because mm. they advance the storylines of other characters. Yet everyone does seem to sort of still exist in this weird bubbling mm. pot of we can always pluck them back out whenever it's we need It's so to. anime. It's like but no like, one dies. But in Street Fighter 6, every single time, for example, sorry, not in Street Fighter as a whole, for example, mm. they always advance things a lot, quite a mm. lot by significant margins. It's like Ryu and Ken are getting older now. They are at mm-hmm. the point now where they are probably going to become these sort of mythical legendary figures of fighting rather than active members of the roster mm-hmm. that are there because it's always about passing the torch to the new generation and this mm-hmm. definitely seems to be the direction that they're going. So mm-hmm. if they do go down the road back to Tekken, 
of confronting father and son again, but from a different thing. I really do hope that they once again move the milestone forward. Like I do yeah. feel like these fighting games should be advancing everything forward rather than mm -hmm. just go, hey, look, here's superficial changes. They've got more bags under their eyes now. <laughs> it was a very like Street Fighter Five thing when they give Ryu a beard. And it was yeah. like, okay, we're actually acknowledging that time has passed and he's yeah. getting older. Yeah. And then, like you said, in Six, you've got all the new characters. And it's just like, yeah, Tekken sort of, this is one of the first times that they did a major plot point. Like in Seven, it was like, who's going to die? And that was like in the yeah. marketing. And yeah. at least they actually paid that off. Like it's different to Halo 5. And it was like, okay, Kazoo year one. Like yeah. I don't buy the Heihachi stays dead, but like he is potentially dead in the canon right now. But isn't that so, such um, a problem yeah. though that we don't even believe <laughs> it when the gamer categorically says that they, they are dead because they have no. just plucked so many random BS excuses of why they've come back. I mean, according to the uh, endings of those games, whichever ones are canon and which ones aren't, he's been, he survived being thrown into space. He survived oh, being dude, blown like, up. Yeah. He survived being Lee's butler for a day and a half. Like, the thing is, I feel like they like the the tone of like Tekken lore is like anime meets like pro wrestling. Like it's the like Undertaker. It's like, oh my god, he's buried alive. It's like well, he, yeah. like okay, but no. Like but it's, in, in it's so weird because they do that and then they go take this bit seriously, but here's all the yes. other bits that are really <laughs> silly. It's like I don't get where we are at. Like the tone of whiplash I get is uh, yeah. going to leave me with the, those like neck braces. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm actually speaking of. Uh, have you seen Dynamite yet? By the way, for I've AW. Not, no, no. Okay, I'll let you have it. There's a big surprise in there. Ooh, okay, okay. You should you should watch Dynamite. Um. Anyway. The, that, I'm not going to even tell you why in <laughs> okay, reference okay, to that. Okay, okay. But uh, there's some some lovely stuff in there. Yep. Um, anyway, next question from Jack Jingle, who says, just recently got around to playing Undertale and wondered what you think about games that nudge you into making morally good decisions as opposed to bad ones. Mm. I feel like Undertale lets you do a bit of either. Although well, I guess like, Undertale gives you complete freedom over what you yes. want to do. Um, but I do feel that it makes you feel guilty for it yes. by introducing the core gameplay mechanic if you don't have to fight things very early. And I feel like mm -hmm. that instills in the player a question of what if, what if, I'm good. Mm -hmm. But they did a... Um they did a um, report ages ago when they were talking about uh, Mass Effect 2, I believe it was, and they were mm -hmm. talking about how few people actually chose to go down the path of the Renegade because yeah, it yeah. was, um, I think it was, um, it was either H-Bomber Guy or it mm -hmm. was Matthew Matosis who said that when given the opportunity option of good and evil, most players choose to do good unless expressly saying I'm doing an evil, 100% evil playthrough mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they are usually morally rewarded better, both with um, the feeling of like supporting and helping because that's just mm -hmm. in our nature, but also it usually directly rewards them with more cash, more uh, abilities such as Bioshock by saving all of the sisters. You actually get more Adam in the long run and you get better plasma yeah. upgrades and a better ending than mm -hmm. conversely killing all of them and you get short gain, but long-term bad ending and less mm -hmm. uh, rewards overall. So mm -hmm. I think that most games nudge players towards being good because that's just the default way to play. We are heroes yeah. after all. We're playing the stories of heroes. So therefore we have instilled. Like, with Mass Effect 2, it was like going into it, it was like, okay, we've amped up the renegade choices. So if you want to be renegade, we've actually got stuff. I remember the whole big deal around you could interrupt someone and throw that guy out a window when you're yeah, in that, yeah. that one place. And I remember I was playing Paragon, but when I got to that scene, I was like, well, I want to see what that is. So yes. like I just booted the dude out the window, even though it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I um, I think that's that's almost like reassuring, re uh, reassuring or like restorative or something that like people would go good anyway. Yeah. Like it's just in the realm of social media and Twitter and YouTube comments. It's like, no, no, most but, of us, we're okay. But maybe then it comes down to the fault of the developer. Maybe the reason that they chose to go default good is because the 
choice between anything else wasn't mm. made as um, as appealing. So it's right, like, yeah. do you want to burn this bus full of kids, <laughs> or do you want to help an old lady cross the street who will what give loot you a million? Who will give you a million quid? Like mm. it's it's one of those things where oh okay, well one is clearly outweighing the other. So mm. when we go back to the question of gently nudging you towards that, that probably shows you then that the game has good balance because it's basically saying you can play the game however you want and you will be rewarded equally no mm. matter what you choose mm-hmm. but yeah it's, i can't really think of many well, think, other games that do that though i think for undertale it's like it's thematically baked in like it's all about humans and monsters and the mm. idea of like the monster kingdom underground underneath all of us has become more of a society arguably or like, learn to live in more in harmony than whatever you want to whatever version of humanity you mm-hmm. want to compare it to mm-hmm. and it's that's what that whole game's kind of about and then they do the whole thing with Sansa's reveal near the end sort of talking about your how bad you've been and how many people you've killed mm-hmm. and everything and it tries to make that comment on you and i think like, in that case it's it's baked in because they're saying how much humanity are you bringing to this kingdom as you as a person um, and obviously you can play that out through the character and i guess in mass effect it's all about like which version does humanity need to survive is it like a ruthless leader or is it someone who can be friendly with everyone and, and get them all through the suicide mission? Like, yeah, that thing. You know, it's like yeah, it's 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 interesting though, isn't it? Because it's like we were talking about Midnight Suns um, just mm. a while back, and that game bizarrely does uh, the middle route of just pure mm. neutral quite well. Because I've noticed that obviously, depending on who you're talking to in the Abbey, some mm. heroes are. 100% clean cut baby face and others are kind of like <laughs> edgy teens and therefore yes. you're going to earn light and dark points appealing to their better natures mm-hmm. so the game actually goes yeah you will get rewards if you go 100% good or evil but the majority of people are going to end up being neutral because you're actually just trying to be friends with these people and, yeah. you, and you echo what you're who you're talking to in order to appease them again mimicry another social construct that we mm. uh, imbibe in quite a lot Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah I, I quite it, Midnight Suns' thing is a bit it's not necessarily undercooked because there's a lot to it but I think that like I like the whole thing when you if you try to befriend magic the way that like her sense of humor plays into her moral choices and yeah. when you're talking to mm-hmm. her the bad choice is actually what she'll reward you with yeah. um, because she's very sardonic and sort of like black comedy and like she's just sort of like yeah you know XYZ thing is effed and I'm glad you acknowledged yeah. that yeah. or whatever so like there's a I like that they kind of like invert it a little bit with her but I wish there was more of that for certain other characters Yes. Um, but I agree like a lot of it does feel like it's your first day at school and you're trying to like bef- just be cool with everyone yeah. and sort of you you realize who you're friends with like over time final question from Steve who says what song reminds you of a game for me Viva La Vida by Coldplay reminds me of Assassin's Creed 1 <laughs> and Too Close by Alex Clare reminds me of Battlefield 3 Amazing. no idea why <laughs> so um, for me I've got a direct answer to this because I actually okay. had to go back and watch the trailer for it recently um, mm-hmm. and it is uh, Queens of the Stone Age uh, will always remind me of Jack X Combat Racing because oh, they in the opening which means that in that in-game universe because the game starts with him turning the radio off where the Queens of the Stone Age are playing they exist in the Jack universe (laughs) Jack and Daxter have Queens of the Stone Age in there I'll uh, I'll take um, Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory along with the first Devil May Cry Uh, I just I got DMC and Jack and Daxter won for Christmas that year um, whilst I was in a huge Linkin Park phase Mm -hmm. so I just had that album on repeat back when CD players were a thing Remember them? And uh, I just remember, yeah, just having that on repeat and just every single song that was on that album just reminds me every single time I put it on of uh, juggle combos and all the random BS and DMC. Sorry, man. I'm just pissing myself just thinking <laughs> about the concept of just like every single time we mention something like memory cards or multi tats, we just need to be like, remember them? <laughs> remember that? Remember, remember back in day? Remember that back in day? Multi taps. You use this plastic boomerang, you can have four <laughs> players. You can have four. You put two plastic boomerangs, you get eight players in. If you don't all know right, what we're talking about, that's on you. That's on you. <laughs> 
<laughs> these emails stuff that you could describe that was like, oh yeah, these little plastic cards, and that's where the save data was. And if you took them to your friends, you could pick up where they left off. I was again just doing something on memory cards recently, and I was mm-hmm. just looking at how much of a minefield they were because not only like if you didn't have enough space uh, that was mm. great because you couldn't stop the game to delete something else to go into the thing at that point so you were stuck with whatever yeah, you were just to told like no we can't save you can't save it you're like okay well i guess Cheers. that all of these hours playing was for nothing obviously they did if you turned the console off or had a power cut you were also screwed because totally. the auto save just wasn't really a thing either <laughs> then you had the classic case of in soul caliber 3 i know that there were other examples but there was a notorious bug on the playstation 2 that if you went in and changed any other game's data as in copied it deleted it moved right. it wherever it mm-hmm. would delete your save of the Chronicles of the Sword mode on Soul oh, Calibur 3 so you could just be like oh <laughs> I'm going to get rid of this Metal Gear game because I've obviously like completed it whatever make some mm-hmm. room for that go back to that it's like oh 30 hours gone fantastic <laughs> cool I love it I love this game I tell you what I will shout out for memory cards as well as the last thing is I do I don't necessarily like actively miss them but the icons were so cool yeah like, some of them was moved- a little little cream on the crop thing you would yeah. just log in go on the playstation 2 dashboard and see what the memory card thing looked like there were some that even when you went to delete them they would change mm. the animation to them crying or waving yeah. goodbye and it was just like <laughs> don't guilt trip me into like deleting this game because did you do i know we need to wrap the pod but did you did you do the thing on the ps1 where if you put a playstation 1 disc into a cd player you could, oh, you play, could play the music, the music track yeah that was yeah. great yeah, yeah yeah. i remember playing a wild nine soundtrack i thought was really cool when i was like eight years old or whatever it was no. but um, yeah little things like that they, 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 we don't have them anymore there was um the demo discs that you used to get for the official PlayStation like magazine. Behind were, stuff. Yeah, they were the best though because the fact you put them into your CD player and you'd get mm. access to tracks from the demos as well as some other I stuff. I did not know that. There. And it was so weird because obviously half of those demos, they never got released. Like There was mm. loads of games that we play demos of that just don't exist. And mm-hmm. I remember there was this absolutely banging song from this game that was about like fighting aliens but on the back of like mobile trucks and stuff like that it was crazy okay. like a big like shoot-a-thon explosive thing right but it was like a pl- you know the opening song from final fantasy 10 where it's like Dun-na, oh yeah, yeah, yeah welcome to zanaka <laughs> yeah. uh, it was like exactly like that but like uh-huh. pitch shifted down so it's like dun-dun, dun-dun, and i was like oh man these guys are getting sued well, the thing is this is like a few weeks ago. I just randomly, I was like, I wonder what, this is such a me thing. I didn't really, I, I was like, I'm going to see what demo music is on YouTube. And I found <laughs> entire playlists of like PlayStation 2 demo disc music on YouTube. And like most of those, some of those like background songs and stuff were still in my mind from like whatever demos I used to have back in the day. Um, and a lot of people have uploaded demo disc music from PS1 discs as well. So if you fancy a trip down memory lane, dive on YouTube Mate. and just search demo disc music PlayStation. Everyone right now after this podcast is finished, go on to YouTube, do what Scott says, but type in demo disc one music track one because okay. Scott and I will have that embedded in our mind. It's that weird, like, <laughs> oh, the, for the PS2, no, the PlayStation One, the foot okay. demo disc one, the one that was like the black right, demo right, right, disc right. with the one on it, and it had the T Rex animation on. Oh and my it had god, that specific yeah. sound, and I cannot find it's never been replicated, <laughs> but it is so iconic. I'll send it to you after the uh, the podcast, please do. They, it, it they... is something else. They bring back the T-Rex thing in, like, Astro Bot. Like, you have to fight it as, like, a no boss way. or whatever. Do they yeah, yeah, like, when you play through PS1 history in that game, you have to you okay. fight, like, PS1 That's iconography. Amazing. That is so sweet. Amazing. 
Um, but yes, for now, this has been the Untitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. The UBP. A massive, massive, endless thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions. We will do a new question roundup thing next week. Yes. But we've always got the take trough to dive back into as mm-hmm. well. Um, for now, though, I've been Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much for having me. And stay tuned over on Thursdays where we'll put out the calls to questions, um, which will be over on Twitter for Scott, which will be at slash LP89. And over yeah. on Instagram at RetroJ, but the O is a zero for myself. Be beautiful. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.